Welcome to Shas Illuminated. Please enjoy the following shear. Interesting. I have a dilemma. Mrs. Mandel asked, "Don't speak about me." So I want. So I'm, I'm like grappling with this, and I, I'll tell you something interesting before we learn together. I'll tell you something very, very interesting. One of the worst ways ever to begin a speech. There's not a speech. I did not. You can believe me. I did not prepare. Even on the way here, I did not prepare. I did not prepare, not for a second, if you could believe, not for a second. I came with Bahram. I came back in the middle of the night. I drove to Baltimore and back. Today was hectic, but not for a second, not like 30 seconds. That's not what I want to do tonight. I don't, not, I'm not looking to give a speech, a prepared speech. It's not I want to speak about the questions. I want to sh- we'll share the Divrei Torah on my mind, and we'll, we'll learn together. One of the worst, if it was a speech, one of the worst ways to begin a speech in the world is to begin When I hear speakers, I, it's cringe, it's cringy. Now what's wrong? They're saying Chazal. Chazal say, start with the host. You start with the host. So why is that cringy to say I'm doing Chazal? Why would that be cringy? It's never cringy to listen to the Torah. And the Torah says, and you hear a speaker, don't make any speaker does it, they can be the best speaker. But I, I don't like when somebody says, Chazal told me to think. I'll tell you a little why I think it's cringy, because they're not understanding Chazal. Whenever you speak, whenever a person speaks, the bet, what Chazal are saying is get yourself very present, be present in the room. And the first thing you do whenever you speak is get yourself, bring, you can't expect people to be present if you're not present. I define a mechanic, the way I define a mechanic, a good mechanic, it's very, very hard to be authentic. Very, very hard. For us all, we have walls and all different things that we hide behind. It's very, very difficult to be authentic. To be an honest, real person is hard. To then be real and share authenticity, automatically you're up in front of a crowd, in front of anybody, your tendency is to perform. To be authentic and share authenticity, that's what I call a mechanic. To speak and say honest words is very, very hard. You're speaking. Contrived, you're speaking. You're darshaning, you're performing. To be honest and share honest words is a challenge. What Chazal say is to get honest and be honest the first thing you should do is, where am I? What am I doing here? What's, what, when you say, Chazal say to thank the host, you're not here. You're not, you're not doing what Chazal say. The first thing to do is to think where you are. Is to, this is where I am. Be present at the situation. So when I say it's a challenge, Mrs. Mandel asked me not to speak about her. That's a Chazal. That you listen, you have to listen to Balbayas. 
What I grapple is that inside, I love this home. It's a lot of chiyos here. And the special people, big people, and idealistic people, and the connection, the, the topic that's very dear to me, of chinuch, a beautiful connection to the children, is very, very special. The faith that Mr. Mendel has, that there's a world of nisyanus, but faith, positivity, humor, optimism, that's what our nation, that's who we are. That's what we are. We're in the midst of difficult times. This is a house I want to be in because there's faith, there's positivity, there's optimism, there's chaos in the face. We, we, have, we have a tough, we have a tough, there's, there's a journey, there's yainus, but there's chaos here, there's laughter here, there's deep emunah here. And then she, so I, I, when I'm speaking, I'm thinking where I am, what this matzah is, what the gathering is. I'm thinking about the home. But then I'm told, no, don't speak about us. So that was my dilemma. I, I didn't mean to pull a trick. I'm just explaining why it was a dilemma. But I guess I was told not to speak. So my mind, I just had to feel where I am and share with it only in a funny way, share where I am. But let's get right to it. In, 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 the, in the parasha, we're told, uh, we're told a, a Rashi that I like a lot, that I want to talk about this Rashi, about Noyach. After the Mabel, the Pasuk says, And all those who are with him, there remained in the world, the survivors were Noyach, his children and their spouses. Everybody was with Noyach in the Teva, those are the survivors. Rashi is bothered by the word Ach. In the whole Torah, whenever it says ach, ach is a miyot. Ach means this and not that. Ach veraka, gemara makas is a miyot. Now here, only nayach, it makes sense, the world didn't survive. Only nayach survived. So the ach seems to make sense. The problem is that it says vayishayr. It calls nayach a survivor. So there's no reason to say ach, it's redundant. Vayishayr ach nayach. Vayeshoyer Nayach means he survived, means others didn't. So what's the Ach? That's what Chazal about. And Chazal say two pshatim. One pshat in Ach Nayach is not just Nayach was the only survivor, a diminished Nayach survived. Ach Nayach means he was diminished. And both of the pshatim of Rashi speak are sharing with us a diminished Nayach. And pshat number one is a diminished Nayach. Ach Nayach is not talking about that other people didn't survive. Even Nayach only emerged half of him. Chazal give a picture of somebody who was vomiting blood. He was in tremendous pain. He was diminished. So a diminished Nayach survived. What's the picture? He was bringing it. He was bringing it, doing chesed for the behemoth and chayes. He was bringing it, Nayach. Doing chesed for the behemoth and chayes. Mamish bringing it. And the picture of Nayach surviving gives us a picture of what he was doing in the Teva. And we're supposed to have a visual of a man who was on fire with chesed. Oilam chesed yibana. He came out, knocked out, from a man possessed doing kindness, feeding the behemoth and the chayes. That's the first picture that the Torah Daisha gives us of Nayach. Very instructive. The world talks a lot about Shmira. It's a conversation all of us, any intelligent parent, thinks a lot about. It's a complicated world and we have access to a lot. I don't want to speak out that the industry of Pritzos, of Dvaram Asurim, 
I heard statistics that it's the biggest industry in the world. Crazy stuff, crazy stuff. And our kids have access to things that are insane. And as, so it's understandable that there's a big topic of, of protection. That's like the topic at hand. Protect, protect, protect. Shmira. It's discussed. We have organizations, rightfully so, dedicated to protecting from external forces. If anywhere in the Torah I would look about protection, I'd look, there's a mabal in, in the world, and a man is, is, is told by Hashem to go in a teva. The Baal Shem famously was very busy with the teva and describing what a yid's obligation, what is somebody who wants to survive and thrive amidst turbulence. So this would be a parsha I would study. And what's striking to me is that we talk a lot about shmira and what has to get equal press time. You could have all the shmira in the world, but there has to be beauty inside. I'm a Levi. Leviim have two jobs. We either sing or we're doormen. I will not be a singer in the Beis HaMikdash. <laughs> Breathe a sigh of relief. I will be a doorman in the Beis HaMikdash. Beis HaShem. But I will only guard the door, the door if their fellow Leviim are singing inside. Because I'll keep influences out if it's very, very wonderful inside. If inside is pathetic, what do you mean you're keeping things out? And Nayach, Nayach created in the Teva a new world. And the, the guarding, there's a Teva certainly protecting from without, but it was stunning within. It's interesting, during COVID, so the yeshiva, we found a place in Pennsylvania. And we went there, and I, it was the name was Log and Twig, the name of the place, the name of the grounds. I named it Fort Log and Twig. And I named it a fort because I wanted, really, we were a bunch, we were 150 people locked up inside, protected from the outside, but I wanted it to be that there's something wonderful and just fire inside. It's a fort. It's a fortress. There's something inside precious and important. There's a palace. There's chios inside. So, and the Teva, the world of the Teva, what Chazal want us to picture is Noyach built a wonderful world of kindness inside. And then, of course, you could keep things away from outside as best as we can, creating something wonderful inside, something connection, relationship, creating something wonderful inside, a world of kindness, a world of godliness. And that's what Noyach created in the Teva, a world of kindness he was running around feeding the behemoths and the chayas. That's what protects when there's turbulence and craziness and dangerous outside. We have to create inside a world, an oilam chesed, a world of kindness, of sincerity, of godliness, of patience, of connection. That's what we have to create inside. And that's what the first visual Chazal want us to picture of what Noyach did is a person who emerged from the Teva diminished. He was busy creating something wonderful inside. And that's, that's the first picture. The second picture Chazal say he was diminished, all of us learn it as youngsters, is he limped out of the Teva. He was bitten by the lion. And he was late serving the food. And here I have a problem. There are two lights that Chazal present for us and it contradicts each other. What's the truth? One Chazal gives a picture of somebody who was 
he, he, was, he was negligent in his duty, in his mission. He came out limping. He was late to feed the lion. So it speaks about Nayak's weakness and not being so dedicated. And, another, and the other Chazal, the other Pshad in Chazal, is Nayak comes out vomiting blood. He had mamish given it all for kindness. So Machleikas, what happened? Elu ve'elu, we have a principle in Torah. Every word of Torah is MS, every word is a light. What was the story? What happened? Was Nayach negligent or Nayach was on fire? What's happening? And Ach Nayach, a diminished Nayach came out of the Tevas, two lights. A person on fire with idealism and a person diminished because he was limping, because he was neglectful in feeding the Ari, the lion. And what I, what I want to suggest, what I'd like to suggest in these two chazal is people could be on fire in a cloistic sense, in a general sense. Many, many people are very idealistic and they forget the yachid, the individual. There are people crazy, they're building a yeshiva, but this bacher, they throw him out, he's ruining my idealism. And the lesson, the light here is that Nayach was on fire. He was feeding behemoths and chayas. But there's also an ur, he was limping, he was late to feed the lion. Don't forget the individual. Don't forget the one. It's very, very common in idealism to be so on fire with a big picture ideal and to run over and trample an individual, one person. And both those lights are true lights. Fire, idealistic, building, feeding the behemoths and chayas but also not neglecting one specific animal, the needs, the pratiastic needs of one specific. And in general, when we're on fire with idealism, not forgetting the individual, not forgetting the yachin, not running over anybody on the way to our idealism. My Rebbe should be gesund. He, um, my Rebbe shared with me that, that Rachli Main, whose yard site, is, is in two nights, I believe. Did I get is This week is Rachli Menu's yard site. What, this week. And Rachli Menu gave the Simanim to Leah is wild. Because the Avais were building our nation. They were involved in the biggest idealism and they were focused on building our people. And when you're idealistic, what, what is she doing? She did massive damage. They're building Klal Yisrael. You're worried about your sister's feelings. Having different sets of shvatim, different emois, caused from the greatest calamities in our people. My Rebbe asked, what she do with building idealism? And he said something that left an impression in my life. He said, I don't care what you're building, not on somebody's dead body. I don't care what you're building. Stop your idealism. There's an individual right here. Really what this sogya, the two chazal, mitzarecha, the idealism of Nayach, that he was on fire with behemoths and chayas, he's busy. With Sad Shani, he's limping, he forgot about the individual lion. And the lessons to us that we could be building, and sometimes we're most at danger when we're building big stuff, of forgetting the individual. I dare say that the situation we're in today as a people, we're, we're a beautiful nation and we've, we're coming together as a nation and I think we argue together over real things and we'll argue again as things settle down, as we rise. We'll argue again, we won't stop arguing. But I think we forget, 
I think we forget how deeply connected we are in our idealism. And we're arguing over real things, our people. Important stuff. I don't, I, I don't have to ask my son more about judicial reform, what it is and isn't. But I know in all our debates, we have, to, we have to remember each other and the value of a yid, of every single yid. In our idealism, we sometimes run over the individual, each unique person, not to run over anybody. And, and this lesson specifically when we're on fire, and we should be on fire, we're an idealistic people. But to value kol yachid v'yachid, each one, each person appreciating, celebrating, not running over one in our idealism. I get very, how many, how many of our children were, were, were asked to leave the yeshiva, he's bad for the system. So you ran over one. They wouldn't have given Leia the simanim. We're building something big. It's so nice you're building something big, but not over a dead body, not over somebody's life. The individual, the individual, each individual. Nayak was limping, he was late to feed the lion. You're busy, you're building, you're creating, but the lion has to matter. The needs of the individual, of the one, has to matter. So I think it's a lesson for, for all of our nation, for all, of, all idealistic people, to be busy with idealism, to build something beautiful, something passionate, but in the midst of building something, not to run over the individuals. I wanted to share that thought with everybody here. And then let's get to the questions. Wait, does anyone want to ask personal, like anyone want to ask before, like beside on their own? Or maybe somebody wants to just ask beside the they gave in? No. They gave it in. Give it in. Okay. And we'll give it in. Okay, fine. I wasn't sure, but maybe... Jen and Bashi will do this out later. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, thank yeah, you. yeah. <laughs> should I stop the recording? Oh, parents, not only feel but know that this friendship is detrimental and is bringing their child down. Like, your friend has a personality disorder. You can't tell your son, don't be friends with him, because he's a doctor, won't be friends with him. So what, as parents, if, it can we do, if anything, to, to stop this? Well, yeah. I want, I, want to, I want to say that, first of all, I like the question a lot, and this is something all of us as parents grapple. As we watch our children grow, friends are incredibly important. And it's serious to us when our, when our children pick a good friend and we see close friendship, we know like how much good could happen. When our, when our kids are friends with somebody who's not bringing out the best out of him and the best out of her, it's, it's painful to see. And the question is what we could do. And when they're younger, we certainly have a lot of say on little kids. So we decide the play dates when our children are little. And certainly we try to do it smartly. We set up with families that we want our kids to be by their houses. And smartly, that's in our power. But we're talking here teenagers and, and older, and they're choosing friends. And, and how do we, what do we do about that? I want to say that... I've seen so many times, so many people blame friends. My kid's a good kid. His friends are bringing him down. Her friends are bringing her down. And I think often we forget to ask, he and she knows that. Why is he hanging with that friend? Why is, but why is he going there? Why is he going there? 
I want to say that as our kids get older, and again, this is like, a vi- there's a very big focus, Shmira, protect, protect, protect. There's a certain age when the conversation has to be, instead of just protecting, explaining and teaching how to relate to all different types. I happen to, I happen to send my son to the Waterbury Yeshiva, all my sons, I have four, I have one eight-year-old who's young, my older four boys all went to the Waterbury Yeshiva. I love that there's range there. They can go to any yeshiva in the country. I send them there. I could maybe accuse tuition's cheaper. I'm the principal here. Except the problem is I have a very generous, incredible uncle who pays for his nephews and nieces' tuitions. I don't pay for tuition. And I send them there because I want them to have an honest place. I like honesty. And I like that there's a range, and I like that my kids learn to relate to all different types and how the relationship looks. And I want them to relate to all different types and kinds and different people at different stages. I think as our kids get older, I don't think it's our place to determine who their friends are. I think that's the job of a parent. I think often we think somebody's a bad influence and we're wrong often. There are things we don't know, and sometimes even if we're right, but I do think often we're wrong. I think we, can have, we, we should develop a close relationship to our own children and speak about relating to different people and how it looks and how it comes out. I think, I, I don't, you know, sometimes we see objectively this person looks like they have a personality disorder. Sometimes our kid in relating to some of the personality disorder learns a lot and develops a lot. I think trusting our children, sometimes even having a conversation. It looks like your friend's like this and we could have a conversation about how to relate, how it would look healthy relating to such a friend. I think proactively discussing how to relate to all different types might be more powerful than preventing certain relationships. I tend to think we baby people too much and we don't treat people enough as they're getting older. I have this pet thing, I think we should give more information and less often. I think the school system, I treat a 15-year-old much more maturely than I think the school system does. I think we baby kids, I don't like it. And I like treating people maturely. 15-year-olds, a teenager, is chayiv in mitzvahs, is, I believe, has a tremendous capacity. And instead of the busy of the sugya, he's choosing this friend, that friend, she's choosing this friend, that friend, I think, yeah, they're choosers, they're the age where they get to choose friendships. I think we could have discussion about how to relate to people and we could train their healthy ways I don't, there are times I think the discussion with our kids is I've noticed your friend, I have some concerns, not therefore you shouldn't be friends, but maybe we can even discuss how to relate to somebody with that specific challenge. Sometimes our kids won't let us do that, but I think that discussion, I think if that's our attitude towards it, that we're not coming controlling, it's more likely that they'll let us do that. So I like the discussion for teenagers. I like the discussion much more than I'm going to choose your friends or I'm going to block a certain friend or I think it's bad. I trust you in, in your decisions and who you're friends with. And we've seen our children grow and steig in all different types of relationships. There are reasons sometimes our kid has pity on somebody and then we feel maybe they shouldn't have such pity. These are complicated and detailed and part of life is figuring these things out. But I think the 
conversation more than controlling who they're friends with could sometimes be in how the friendship, I trust you fully, let's talk about friendships. I once had a friend like this, I once had a friend like that. Maybe there's a way how you can, yes, relate. So those are some thoughts to this conversation. I think it's, it's like there's so many areas in our kids' choices that it's so frustrating. We wish they didn't have choice. It's like, what was Hashem thinking when he gave choice? And the answer is that human beings have choice and we don't take away our kids' choices. Friends is one of those things. We certainly want, we want to have a relationship ourselves, a close relationship. I say like this as part of this, that the healthiest... I, I want to say something on this whole topic. I'm picturing a certain father. I'm going to, I'm going to paint the stereotype. I'm going, to, I'm going to paint a picture of a dad. This might answer all the rest of the questions. I'd like to, I'd like to paint the picture. I'd like to paint the picture like this. It, it's fun for me because I'm a terrible drawer. I, so I'm going to do artwork now with words. Okay. I'm going to paint a picture. I'm going to stereotype a certain father. The guy has frummed out. He's serious about his siddharam, shiurim. And he has a lot of insecurities about his own journey. He's a lot of insecurities about himself, but he's frummed out. He's a flip out, if you will, this father that I'm painting the picture of. And he's very stark. And he takes his, his minyanam, Impressively, seriously, takes his siddharm. He has a lot of unresolved emotionally, and, but he's very stark and serious. Now he has a child, a kid, and he's trying so hard that his kid should be stark like him. And he's governing and trying so And he has no friendship with his son. They just don't relate. They don't talk well together. They don't enjoy each other. They don't laugh. They don't ban, but he's trying something. He's so stark. He's running Tisman Yanim and Shiorim and very tight, but they have no relationship and friendship. And then that father's worried about who his son's friends are. You know, the best thing we could do for our children is teach them healthy friendship by having a healthy friendship with our child. I watch Mrs. Mendel's connection to her son Yehuda Yitzi Ari, so she's modeling healthy friendship. And probably the most powerful thing we could do is give a healthy friendship. We know what a healthy friendship looks like. Laughing, joking, enjoying, encouraging. If we model healthy friendship, they see, I know, this is not healthy. I know what healthy looks like. And if we could, the best thing in the world is to actually give healthy friendship. Let go of some of the governing and teaching and controlling and give a healthy friendship. We know what it looks like. You know, the games that go on in this house on a Friday night, I want to come play code. It's hard to get away, Shabbos. I've been invited. Um, the games that my kids, we get the, in, in our house, they're playing the games like a year later. We get the games. I think we're playing the games they played. This cat game they're playing, did that start here? All the games they play started here somehow. But, but there's friendship. There's friendship that's here. And as best as we can, modeling healthy friendship is probably the best answer to the question. That picture of the father who's governing, controlling, frustrated, giving all different things to his kid, like all different proclamations and I'm expecting, 
and he's not giving friendship, relationship, which would give all the things that he wants, that's a dangerous picture. I think here to this question that my son is friends with somebody and I'm nervous, the best thing is give him healthy friendship. I have seen guys who have an incredible friendship with mom and incredible friendship with dad. People think there's new age. In this room, when there are people who are thinking and understand, I don't think to many people, you say a father so supposed to be best friends with his kids. Yes. Yeah. Is that new? That's like a new age? No, it's just as old as the Torah. That's it. The Torah, the word av, Rashi says the translation of the word av is a chaver upitaron, a friend and an advisor. That's the translation of the word av. So it's as old as the Torah. The word I've translated is a friend and an advisor. Friendship, friendship, to give friendship, to be, in a, to be in a friendship, in a relationship, like in a healthy one. If we could give that to our kids, they'll know what healthy friendship looks like. When they're faced with something that's not healthy, that's not it. I know what friendship is. I know what close, I know two people who encourage each other, bring out. Now, it's, it's interesting because they're parents and we are the parents and there's like a twist to the friendship. It's a chavaru pitaron. And there are rules to this friendship. All those rules are, the, the boundaries are kept. It's a, it's a healthy, cool friendship. It's, it's a parent and a child, but it's a deep relationship and friendship. The best thing we can give our kids in this sogia is healthy friendship and they'll know what it looks like. So as a parent, it's painful and heartbreaking to watch your child go through this journey. And like, they do everything. They're like kids early, learns to cheer to Lush and Haran, to Shabbos. And they feel like it's not helping them. They're like waiting for their son to get that aha moment. Now he does want to do something, but having to want to do it and do it, there's a big gap in between. So how can they help their son on this journey or their daughter on this journey? Wow. Oh, my God, right. Yeah. Right. And he, he does talk about wanting to get back. Yeah. yeah. The question, the, the, this, this, this feeling, first of all, needs to be like felt. My wife and I went on a Kesher Nafshi Shabbos. And I want to say that we experienced there was like a life changer from the people. It wasn't one speaker... The main thing I got from the Shabbos, people, tremendous chukah for Hashem and that their children should be loyal to Hashem in an honest way, not for how it looks to others. It was in the room. You walked out yourself. I walked out myself with like a renewed want for Hashem. I was in touch that I want Hashem. And I was in touch with the one for our children to, to, to be close to Hashem, to be themselves, to be true, to be, to be close to Hashem. So like the question, I, I want to talk answers to this question. I'd like to speak about this question. But the very question of, of describing watching a child who's, who wants it and is, and is struggling and watching that and a parent, what can I do? How do I assist the child to do what the child wants to do, I very much appreciate that question. I wanna, I wanna say for starters, I wanna tell you a vert. I wanna tell you a vert from the Naimali Melech that I, I have become a student. The Naimali Melech is my rebbe, and he's my rebbe just for this vert. I, I've studied now other things from him. This vert drew me to him. 
The Naimeli Melech, it is said on the Naimeli Melech that anybody touched the door handle of his house was Chayza B'Tshuva. That he was, his love of Yidin, his belief in Yidin, and what was it? What was it? What is that? He saw Yidin. What's the, what, what, what's the energy of that? You see Yidin and you're impressed by everybody. Come on, what, what does somebody do to work on that? You see somebody, they look like a bum. They look, come on. And you spoke, what, how from could you be? No, 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 I'm telling you, they're good. They're really good. Come, what is that? What the name of the What was he made out of? What was he seeing? He saw Yidin. He lost his mind from Yidin. He, him, the Barditch, but the same base Medrash, the same Chias. They, they were crazy over Yidin. What was happening? What's the energy of that? Where are they coming from? The Naimali Melech asked the following Kesha. It says, Every child is unique and needs its own set of chenach. The end of the Pasuk says, The goal is when they're old, they shouldn't veer off. Teach them right. When they're old, they shouldn't veer off. Ask the Naimali Melech two Kashas. Kasha number one is why is it saying the negative, saying the positive? Teach them right so they live it. Good Kasha. They shouldn't veer off. Say they teach them right, they should stay on. Kasha number two is this Kasha is like. He says, a Jewish soul moves to Hashem. What's the Pasuk saying? Teach a kid right, otherwise they're going to go off. Souls don't go off, souls move to Hashem. Pasuk would predict that a person's going to go off. Gam Kiyazkin, teach them right. They shouldn't go off. A soul moves to Hashem. So that's what a soul is. A soul moves to Hashem. If you, what, what would a Pasuk predict? A soul's going to move to Hashem. Kash is like his view of a Jewish soul. Said the Naim Melech, the Pasuk means teach them right. A person's going to serve. A soul is always going to move to the service of Hashem. Teach them right. They don't have to veer to the truth. Teach them the truth. Teach them unique. They're going to, a person's going to be their unique Kiddush and is going to move towards that. Teach them right. They don't have to move to what's right. It's not saying if you teach wrong, they're going to go off. You teach wrong, they're going to have to move. If you try to pretzelize somebody and make somebody be what they're not, so they're going to eventually be what they're supposed to be. Teach them right. They could just be what they're supposed to be from youth instead of having to travel to what they're supposed to be. The Naimali Melech saw a soul as fire. Soul, 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 soul. That's the truth. That's not cute. That's not fakir. That's whether a person's Chassidish, Litvish, Lakewood, Neve, and everything in between. Whatever a person is, a person is a soul. And, and seeing somebody as special and seeing them that way, we have challenges. It's a complicated world. But seeing ourselves, a serious soul, a, a precious soul, seeing it that way, seeing somebody, the, the way to see it is to see ourselves that way, to see ourselves. The best thing we could do for our kid, the best thing to help success is to see them as the soul they are, to see a precious, a big soul. The more we can really see, you have to see ourselves that way. The more we could see ourselves that way, the great ones, the Naimali Melech, the 
himself, they saw themselves that way. And they were able to see people that was a big soul with a tafkin, with a mission. If we could see our children that way, challenges, serious ones, complications, the soul put down, complicated world, the more we could see them that way in a real way. It doesn't always present, typically often the bigger souls struggle. That's pashat, that's pashat, that's obvious. To just behave and do what we're told, that's like a small type of soul. And there's a big soul. That's like you can see it. There's not cute stuff. You can see it. I see it. The big souls that are more confused and not just settling to just they're looking, they're flying around trying to find like they're not they're not the yishuv because they're looking for a big soul looking for big things. And seeing them that way, so it doesn't always look pretty in the world, so it's not the best guy in his class, and, and worse than that, and struggling, and struggling, even the mitzvahs and Torah, but a lot, I find a lot of kids who are struggling with Torah and mitzvahs don't want to be pretend. Come on, just do it, I don't know, just do what we, no, no, I'm looking for something big, for something I connect to, see the soul, see a big soul, see what you see, that's very powerful, very powerful, and not take our eyes off that, they'll become what we see, they'll ultimately become what we see. So one, one eights of seeing, seeing the preciousness of the person is a big one. I want to say something that all of us pray for our kids, all of us. All of us pray a lot for our children. I dare say, our mo- uh, uh, would it be fair to say a majority of our prayers, our kids should be sincere and growthful and close to Hashem. A majority of our prayers, would that be fair in Shema Kaleinu? A, a tremendous amount of energy of our prayers for our children. The greatest prayer in our life for all of us is if we, this is the greatest prayer, I learned this from the Ishbitzer, and I'm very into this. The best prayer in our life, it says that Yitzchak Avinu loved Esav. Kitzayit b'fiv. Now Rashi says pshat is that Esav fooled Yitzchak. That's what Rashi says. Kitzayit b'fiv. Esav fooled Yitzchak. The Ishbitzer says Kitzayit b'fiv is not Esav was ensnaring Yitzchak. Yitzchak was ensnaring Hashem. Kitzayit b'fiv, he was trapping Hashem. What does that mean? It means a father loves his son. Yitzchak wasn't, wasn't pleased with Esau's behavior. He was a Israel Mumar, he was a sinning Yid. But a father loves his son, and it was a prayer. Tzayid Befiv says the Ishbitzer, he was trapping Hashem Kaviachal, that a father loves his son. And that was the deepest prayer for his son and for the whole nation of Kalal Yisrael. A father loves his son. If we, when our kid is struggling and not being a nachas and not being somebody who's bringing pride and delight to us, but we tap into the love of a mother, my son, say it to yourself, my son, find things that are ma'ayra, my son, I love him, he's my son. When we do that, it's the deepest prayer of our life. You prayed for your son and you prayed for our whole people because we're Hashem's children. The deepest prayer, Hashem, we all know we need prayer right now. The deepest prayer is look at your kid, maybe peek in his room when he's sleeping, when she's sleeping. Find times you just, I'm a, my son. It becomes tricky because we could be frustrated and the kid lets out a frustration at, his, at a parent. So it could be hurtful. And the, the, the nicer the parent, the better relationship. Often that's the one you could be, if you're frustrated and struggling elsewhere, you could let out at a little bit. 
But any time that we could be ma'ayr, a sense, my child, I love him. I love her. My child, you just prayed. You changed the world. It's the deepest prayer. Reb Chaim Shmolevitz would pray at, um, at, would pray at, the, at Yad Avshalom. Nobody in the world prays at Yad Avshalom was a Russia. Avshalom was a Russia. Try to kill his father. And Reb Chaim Shmolevitz would pray there. But probably the only person on planet Earth who prayed there would have been there. I don't know how many times. Somebody said, what in the world? Avshalom was a Russia. And he would say to Hashem, David HaMelech loved his son. He said, he said, my son, eight times, he loved his son. He would say to Hashem, we're your children. We're your children. Father loves his son. Parent loves their child. I would say to this, to this case of the parents, what could I do? Two things I would answer. One I would say is continue to see the precious child you see. See it, see it. That's very powerful. The kid will be mad at you for what you see, by the way. Because it's so demanding to see goodness. But don't stop seeing it. I won't stop. The kid will try to get you not to see it. But you see it. Too bad. You almost mean to see it. <laughs> it's almost mean. But see it. That's the normally Melech. That's the Baditra. That's one answer. And the second answer is pray. But I mean this prayer. The prayer of patience, the prayer of a mama loves her child. That prayer, that's deep. That's like the deepest prayer in the world. Rachli Menu is the is her, her essence. It doesn't mean when I was younger and less chasidish. I thought like while Yitzchak was doing it, he was uttering the words of prayer. That's like very unsophisticated pshat. He was unleashing the deepest prayer in the world, Yitzchak. The deepest a prayer means that you bring this light, this godly light to the world. Yitzchak brought the godly light to the world. A father loves a child. That's a light. That's powerful. Unleash. That's from Hashem himself. Hashem gave that light. When we can find them, the, the real secret is as a parent, as a mama, if we can find that love amidst chaos, amidst difficulty, but tap into something that's there, we dive in for that strength, we dive in for that clarity. We figure out patient ways, self-care, and other things that we could like be present to that love. You're unleashing something to the world. A parent loves their child. You're unleashing for this child, for all your children, for all our children, and for all of us. So I would say that's a powerful impact if we could tap in to the natural motherly love. I would say that's what I would say to them. I'm giving long answers. <laughs> Is there such a concept that there are neshamas that are put in this world to suffer themselves and to cause suffering to those around them and they aren't meant to get better? Their tafkid is to be challenged and cause their family and parents to work on themselves. And that is the, in their purpose to this world. There's too much that the question is fair that I, I feel too much defeatism in the question. The kid's gonna stay, the kid's gonna grow. It's too much defeatism. A soul a soul stays, a soul grows, a soul a soul could be on fire. There's a there's there's a safer. Everybody here says Maidani? Is there any Gemara to say Maidani? No. No. It's 
one of the weirdest things. A minag, there's no Gemara, zero. The minag comes from a sefer called Seder Hayyim. That's the first place we have this minag to say Maidani. In that sefer, he says that Hashem gives difficult neshamas. There's everybody in Klai Yisrael says Maidani. He's not being cute. He says Hashem hands like special souls to big people. To give them to small people won't have the proper care of these souls. So he says that Hashem gives bigger challenges to bigger people. I've seen that. It's Pashat like that. It's Pashat. That's the main, a big soul, and a difficult soul, a soul that's complicated here goes to bigger people. He writes it. The same one who said, say Maidani, he writes that in Seder Ayayim. To say that a person is just meant to cause challenge to the pair. A soul is meant to shine a light, to shine a light. If the light they shown is that there's so much love surrounding them and brought out patience, that could be, that could be. A soul shines a beautiful light, but then it means, then it means that soul will be beautiful doing it. So the soul shines, the soul shines. A soul is a chelik alakami mal mamish. A soul shines. And each soul could shine and will shine and shine a beautiful light to the world. If you isn't, could the light be all the kindness that this soul brings? But then it means it's in the soul. It's like the soul is so bad. It's 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 a chelik elakami malmamish. It's a soul. The soul shines a light. The soul from within the soul. It's almost like saying, could somebody? Not be a light, but the light is the parent. The parents also have a soul, I would say. The kid has a soul. Every single year has an ashama, and ashama shines, shines a light of God into the world. So the question's complicated. Could that light be that it brings out? But then it means it's within also. There's a light within that soul. Beautiful, beautiful light that will shine to the world. So I don't want it to be like the soul doesn't have a light, it can cause somebody else's light. No, the soul has a light. Within that soul, with each soul, there's a tremendous, tremendous light to bring to the world, a godliness that everybody brings to the world. See our child, a beautiful light, the world, you may see it before others, others don't notice, there's a light, there's a light. Each soul has a godliness to bring to the world. I think these two are very similar, so I'll leave them both. How can I strengthen the rest of my family's relationship with my daughter who doesn't live at home and they don't feel so comfortable and or they don't have too much in common with her at this point? The second one is, my daughter gets to the really effective in a way that bothers me tremendously. They're getting resentful. How can I explain this to my daughter and get her cooperation without creating an all-out war? The kids don't always like to have to accommodate everything and sacrifice everything for their system. Yeah. I want to say I want to say two things on this question. I want to say one that there is a danger when there's a chat when a person going through big challenges that we could overlook the one who's going through life easier and 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 things challenges they have could be less valued, don't you see? And everybody knows the brother or sister is having severe challenges. And, and I do think there's a sugya of making sure that, that, our, that all our children are celebrated and their difficulties noticed, even if it's much more subtle and even in the face of a child who's struggling in ways that we're scared for their eternity, 
But still, the next child's difficulty, so I think that's an important part of this equation. A lot of resentment is just from the fact that that's the child that's, that's causing us to focus, to make sure we're focused on other kids and, 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 there's, and there's appreciation to a struggle of another kid, even though if it's a small thing and not nearly as, as delicate and, and not as life-threatening and, and threatening as this one, I think that's an important sugya. I think a big part of this sugya that's so important is the same Hashem who gave us this child gave the siblings their sibling. I think sometimes we forget that. Parents have all sorts of worries, get a damage to other kids and other... Hashem wants all these siblings to be their siblings. Hashem wants that, their siblings here. If it changes the way the home looks, Hashem wants that. And our job is we have this whole... We don't have to clear yeshiva and schools clear. Should this kid come in? Should this... We have all the souls exactly we're supposed to have in our home. So it's, it's, it's huge. And, and in general, kids and how kids go together and a kid struggling, a kid not struggling and how to balance it is, is tremendously, tremendously difficult. I take tremendous chizuk in knowing that Hashem gave me this soul. This is the soul He wants me to work with and, and, and engage and figure out and figure out a system of engagement and wants the siblings to engage this child as well. Once the sibling to engage his child. I want to say that often, and I want to say this really as an aside to this question, those are the two points I want to make on this question. One is making sure that other kids are focused on to stop a lot of resentments and just the truth of the importance of each child. The one not struggling, but their struggles that are so tiny, they're worried if they got a 95 or a 92 on a test, but your worries count and matter and are important and are epic. That's an important, and, and the Ashkacha, the, the Amunah, that Ashkacha is Hashem, that each child is, um, was given each other as siblings. I want to I say, all too often when somebody has a child that's challenging, so we say the words, it's an Asayan, it's an Asayan, it's an Asayan, it's an Asayan, but there's also has to be an act of, this is obvious, an active approach of how I'm relating to this Asayan. It's not enough to say it's an Asayan. People shake and it's such a Messiah and it's so difficult. Hashem, you're testing me. But to formulate an active approach, even in terms of siblings, there's an approach and to try to speak. Yeah, your sibling has struggles, has difficulties. And to try to be a pitarun, an advisor to our children, that it's not enough to say, oh, it's such an Messiah to have such a brother. It's such an Messiah to have such a sister. But there's an approach, what it looks like to be a brother to such a, to such a girl a brother to such a brother, what it looks like. And it's not just enough to say it's such an assign. There are people who like give themselves because you're not such an assign, a challenge, a challenge, a challenge. There's an active approach. We discussed, yes, we discussed earlier about friendships and if our kids friends with somebody, what to do. There's an approach how I actively relate to different people. There's an active approach. On little kids, you keep them away. Shmira. On older, you teach how to interact. How do you connect? How do you relate to different people? There's an approach how to be in a sibling and the best possible sibling. And I've seen siblings such cool relationships and it develops and there's mistakes. And But to teach our children there's an active way you can relate. It's difficult. 
And to relate to somebody struggling is painful, and the person cannot always be so easy. But there's so much growth in relating and how you relate, not just to settle, oh, it's such an assignment having such a sibling. It is an assignment that sibling may chepper and that sibling may give off vibes that are not great. That's true. All that's true. But there's, there's a system. How do I relate to somebody going through difficulty and ourselves developing some plan? I can't say what it is because it's different and every case is unique, but we have an active, basic approach of relating. I also want to speak about that the home, we could get so caught up in this difficult situation, remembering in other ways to keep a home, to be positive, surrounding, not to, sometimes misery likes company, and the person's trying to pull everybody down. If we can keep a positive atmosphere of humor, of positivity. Those are some points here. But the two, the two biggest points of the sibling is that Hashem, the same Hashem who gave us this child gave the siblings. And to still to notice all the other children's struggles that are very minor, but to be important by us. Not to be swallowed up in the face of a bigger challenge. Okay, I think the next two are also similar. Um, Okay. Her son is having a hard time with mitzvahs such as wearing fitness, davening, and learning. She wants to stop it now before it goes weiter. Next, 13 and a half years old, his has got a cool haircut, but he still goes to davening. She also wants to stop it before it gets worse. Yeah. I want to I wanna say, Stam, I'm talking about all these questions. I'm, I'm, I'm giving thoughts on the questions. Not nobody, Everybody here can get up and give the thoughts. I think it's so cool that we're getting together. All of us care about serving Hashem, care about our children. And I'm giving thoughts. I grapple all the, with these same questions. And all of us see somebody who's starting to show signs, a younger kid of starting to show signs, and we get very nervous, we get afraid, and we say, what can I do to nip it in the bud, to stop it now before, before things get worse, before, before it explodes? There's something I could do younger and quicker. The, that question is, again, knowing the situation. I want to say, say two things about that question, the nip it in the bud question. I want to say two things about it. I want to say, one, that not being nervous about a kid, if we could do that, is sometimes the best thing we can give to a kid. That's one thing I want to say. That often confidence in a person, remember their souls. Souls don't go off. So confidence is huge. Kind of his pace, he wants to look cool now. It's a normal stage, a kid wants to look cool. Sometimes if we could just be confident, truth, and they know what we're thinking, not just what we're saying. Are we being stupid? As long as the confidence itself is an important factor, that's one thing I want to say. I want to say another thing that I think people here would be very, very sensitive to this and know this, and this is something very important to me. People give a story all the time, and during COVID, I've become like an address for a lot of very yeshivish guys in their 20s struggling. And the stories, he was the top guy in his yeshiva, now he's not from. And what gets me is, and I'll meet the guy, I'll speak to the guy, is people didn't know the kid's story. 
all of us, I speak a lot. People, I, I say a lot out there. A kid in the yeshiva I'm very close to, Yosef Pagro, Ben Tyrek. He always said, Rebbe, I don't think anybody understands what you're saying. And I say, I think he's right. My wife has told me that. I say, I say, lean into your story and lean into your kid's story. Now, I think this room understands it. I don't think people know what I mean. Because we come, all of us come from an age, most of us come from an age, we were soldiers. We come from parents, beautiful people who soldiered. I did not know myself. I was a soldier. I did. I was a very good kid. Behaved. I was sitting and learning high school. My kids know themselves much better than I did at my age. The guys in yeshiva know themselves much better than I did at my age. I'm just learning myself. I'm learning all the walls I built. And I was positive, and I, but I wasn't experiencing insecurity, people-pleasing things, all different things inside that I had technique not to feel, not to be connected to. And we came from an age, people were soldiering, that's what people were doing. And, and our kids are very, very much feeling, kids today feel. They feel nuanced, I can't believe. The guys are changing my life, guys, they've called me out when they're saying something and they say, you're not feeling what I'm saying. I'll be positive, you're not feeling what I'm saying. You're not there, you're not. Today, once in a bloom, when a guy tells me something and I start crying, I'm open to it. I have my walls, walls of positivity and different things that I built not to feel and experience. It's changing my life, Latoyev. It helps prayer, relationship, learning, to feel, to be nuanced in emotion, much deeper connections. It's what's happening in today's generation. They're feeling, really feeling. I'll tell you something interesting. Parents will come to me of kids that are pop kids. He missed Shabbos davening. Now we never Shabbos, you don't miss. Now I want to say that I see kids who would miss a Shabbos day davening, davening much better than anything I've seen in my life. I dare say better than the parent who's complaining. He missed Shabbos day. I watched him come late and talk to God, incredible. Now, I'm not playing with halacha. It's not negotiable halacha, and it's not negotiable the ruach of Yiddishkeit. Neither is negotiable. Tefillah is connecting to God. You could be a soldier and have no shaykhs to prayer. You're not connecting to God. Kids today, top kids, in yeshiva, sometimes a girl says, does he ever miss minion? And the question is fine. We don't like soldiers. Just don't like, I don't say don't like, the kids of today, it's a different path. A lot They're on fire with prayer. I'm not promoting missing davening. I'm promoting that it's a different journey, connection. Now, of course, to be consistent, I don't want shuls empty, and they'll figure it out the next generation. But they'll have a lot of singing by davening, a lot of prayer by prayer. I watch some guys daven, and I'm like, wow, these kids are connecting to Hashem. So when I say know your own story, lean in. I once said lean into your story. And somebody, I told today, I don't know if they're making fun of me. They said is lean English or Yiddish. I think they really thought I was speaking Yiddish. I said lean into your story. Lean, what does lean in mean? And I say on this, like, this type of question, my 13-year-old is showing signs. What's happening? Lean into his story. Really what's happening? Is he just trying to be cool? Like to get is something... To really get a kid, what is happening? And I think that the really getting our own story, knowing deeper than the external things, and what, how's it? The story is not the behaviors. The story is not A pluses, olive pluses. He was the best. It's not his story. That's external. I had a story 
have nothing to do with the behaviors, nothing to do with the external. There's a story. Each of our children has a story. I believe, my personal belief, is every single one of us, eight billion people, have the craziest story. I think every human being, if I told you my story, this room would be bawling and laughing. We all have a story. I think each of us, I look at the world, eight billion crazy stories, crazy. It's just broken up people who know their story and people are completely out of touch with their story. I don't care who your parents are, what school, we all have a story, how it played out, all the different aspects of our life, but we're really good at like blocking out our story. Now, when you tell people to know their story, everybody can say, I went to this place, yeah, what, what, you're stupid, like who doesn't know their story, they're an idiot. Very cool people don't know this. They're not in touch with the, what, how it hit you, what was happening in the story. Deep things inside of us, how it was happening. So when I hear a question, my 13-year-old is starting, what's happening real? To try to lean in, but don't panic, don't create, don't, just what's, what's the story? Is he trying to look cool? It's great. He sounds like an amazing 13-year-old. <laughs> He's not buying into just the school? That's smart. I don't know. He sounds like a Mishmaka guy. He's like, <laughs> like, what's happening? What is the story? And understanding the details of the story, not, don't write somebody's story. Don't conclude. You never tell somebody their story. Don't create the story. Don't jump to conclusions, but being attuned to the story. So I like we lean in. We see a youngster. Don't jump. Don't write it. And it still has to play out. I think leaning into what's happening deeper than the external version of the story is important. This is from a sibling. A sibling is asking, why did Hashem do this to my family? Why is my family going through so much pain and suffering? I wonder every day I come home from school, will my brother still be alive? Why do I feel I'm on a roller coaster while I see other families seem to have it so easy? This, this is a question I don't want to answer. I want to say as follows. I have a kasha for years in yeshiva why more guys aren't upset at Hashem. I've seen anger at Hashem very little. I'm, I'm watching guys get to places of honesty to self. I, it blows my mind. Blows my mind. I'm talking about real. I'm talking about guys. It's the rebellion we met today. We're describing what we're seeing. They're way ahead of us. Way, way. The typical guy is way ahead of me emotionally. Way. They're just very advanced, nuanced, and they know themselves. I'm working from behind. I didn't grow up with that. I grew up with amazing parents, Sadiqim. My, my parents are everything in my life. I didn't grow up with the nuances. When somebody's upset, that question of pain, don't, don't, nobody answer that question. Nobody. They're angry at Hashem. Emotions are good. You're feeling, you're in touch. I always wonder that it's not more time than Hashem. Why not? Guys, young people go through chaos, challenge, difficulty. I find remarkably little upset at Hashem. The guy's upset at Hashem. It's a Gemara Basra. We work when we're feeling what we need to feel, and we're feeling what we deeply feel. We work it through. That person's in a lot of pain and angry at Hashem. I don't answer that. that that's them and Hashem, and they, they have a real thing. They'll work through. They'll, they'll work through that emotion. I wonder for a long time why guys aren't more upset at Hashem. I find very little. Not that it would be bad. The guy's upset at Hashem. I cry, we'll cry together. Either I'll use my tricks of youth and not feel anything. 
Or I'll actually feel with them and you feel a lot of pain. But I'm amazed how little anger there is, Hashem. My suspicion is because deep down all of us know Hashem is working with us. I don't know the tikkun of my soul. You don't know the tikkun of your soul. And we sense deeply inside of us Hashem's. And we sometimes say, Tash. Eh. But then we're like, just okay, okay, okay. I know you know. I like, And the sense, I'm not worried if we're upset. I'm not saying not to be upset, by the way. And we're upset that we'll work it through. We talk to ourselves. I'm not worried about being upset, but I think in a deep way Hashem is working with us and our family. And we don't always understand what Hashem, and that, that question, that's like, Hashem. That's, no, nobody answer that. Nobody step in there. Nobody step in there. That's pure. That's holy. That's holy. When anybody's feeling what, this, what they need to feel, you don't answer somebody's emotion. That's pure. You feel it with. You feel it. So that question is pure. That's, that's a big person. That's an honest person. The question's written way too powerful. That's real. That's a sibling who's saying, Hashem. Nobody step in there. Don't touch that. That's somebody talking to God. That's, you know, when you get married and your wife's talking to her mother, your instinct at first is to try to get involved. You don't, don't, you try to like get involved in her, you hear, it's her and her mother, step out, Kalish. When, 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 when you see your spouse, you see your husband's talk, it's him and his father, you don't step in there, there's a relationship, that's not, you don't get involved like that, it's not how it works. Somebody's with Hashem, is feeling something, that's like, that's pure, that's powerful, they'll, they'll work it out, that's, the times I am asked questions, my main thing, I want guys to be in touch with what they're really feeling. To be in touch with what they're feeling. They're sad as Hashem, what are you doing? That's powerful. When, you, when we're there and feeling that real, that's very powerful. That's very, very powerful. Collectively as a nation, when we say Hashem, that's powerful, that's prayer, that's explosive, that's Hashem. Please, we need you, we want you. That's, that's no answer given to that. That's deep. There's a, the capital tillum that I'm most drawn to right now is That prayer, we're a nation, we're very poor right now. Nothing to do with finances, nothing to do with we're rich people, we're very poor. The poor there means it's vulnerable. That I just feel helpless a little bit. And we're feeling that. It's something very powerful. That Hashem, we need you. We need you. We need you. So that, that, type of, that type of emotion, that type of Hashem, and why are you doing this to our family, that's not so, well, I want to explain. That the old me would have given you a very good rush on that. The new me wants to cry with that person. Whoever is that person, if that's, whoever is that person, parent, cry with, cry with. That's a very, very powerful. Yeah. When we feel what we need to feel in all our lives, when we feel it and feel it profoundly, we're at very good places. We're at very powerful and healthy places. Yeah. Okay, so the last question. My son realized how my husband and I really wanted to come to the Shabbos table with Christ for most of the time. However, he unfortunately thinks he's part of the LGBTQ team, and this is what he constantly brings up at the table in extremely disgusting detail in front of my kids. He started to ask questions. I asked him to stop, but he won't. Do I disinvite him to the meals? It's like gotten out of control. Huh. 
think that's that's a powerful, that's a difficult, that's obviously a very difficult situation. I wanna I wanna say on that that if there's there's a hill of personality disorder or not, if this is a healthy person who has complicated challenges, which exists, exists a lot, so then I'm I'm not into I'm not into walking on eggshells, build a healthy relationship and we're allowed to ask a child. I don't appreciate when you talk about these topics, we have different people at the table, it makes uncomfortable. And I have an honest conversation to please not talk. I wouldn't threaten. You can't. Everybody's invited to the table. And please kick that at the table. I would make sure that they're not talking. If I can't make sure they're not talking about something, then there's something funny in the relationship. I'd analyze what's happening that we can't. There's like normal derecher. It's different things. If the topic makes me uncomfortable, you, anybody else. So then it's not a good idea. That's a private conversation. If there's a personality disorder, that it needs whole different treatments. Then we have a child who's narcissistic or something. I don't jump there. That's very, very rare. I would more ask myself, why can't we have Derek Eretz here? And it's not discussed. Is there some anger here and hurt that's not allowing? I would try to get the situation to a better place that we could have a mutual respect and understanding. I want to say with these challenges that that we're seeing, we're seeing in the world very, very complex challenges that are, that are very real in our generation. I want to say that people are asking very deep things, that they're not soldiering, and they're asking, who am I? And a lot of these questions, are, we were, were from a generation before of soldiers, nobody asked the questions, who I am? That's not how people, oh, you did, you did, who am I? I don't know who I am, this is what I'm doing. And people are asking very nuanced, who am I? What does it mean to be a boy? What does it mean to be a girl? And analyzing deep things. There are deep places we can get. I want to say that I have seen dozens and dozens of people that are healthily married, beautiful homes, many children, Shalom Bayes, who had questions and uncertainties and confusions. Parents should touch their kids a lot today. The world speaks a lot. Rebbeim should touch kids. Only send to schools that Rebbeim touch the kids. Don't send to school. Rebbeim don't touch. The world, you say, the world's like, don't touch. There are sickos out there. I'm not talking about being sickos. Kids need touch, especially male touch. Boys, touch. Husbands, fathers have to touch their kids. Every kid likes to be touched differently. A mother should touch also. But a father's touch on a boy, very, very important. We all have many parts. We have many parts in Kabbalah. It was already predicted that people would be more feminine in Mashiach times. These are deep sugyas. These are sugyas that exist. These are sugyas that exist. This is like Pashat. And we're seeing things happening. These are, they're deep things inside of people. Not to panic, not to be afraid. People could become be very, very healthy and learn all different parts, healthy parts themselves. I would say some of the sugyas, a man, the question at the table to me, there's a kid struggling and feeling very difficult feelings. So I, I, a few, some of the issues there, I think male touch is very, very important, specifically for a boy. It's extremely, extremely important in this sugya. I think Rebbeim, who know how to hug a kid and know how to touch a kid, there are many teachers, there are many teenagers, you cannot teach them a word till you touch. Now, how a kid likes being touched? Some on the hand, some with a slap fly, some with a hug. Make sure it's a Rebbe who doesn't need the hug himself. If he needs the <laughs> hug, it's somebody else. <laughs> so, <laughs> you have to decide. Yeah. 
have you have to decide. You have to decide. Don't 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 worry about that. You have to decide. You have to you have to make an assessment. I've had mothers who got it. I've had mothers who asked me make sure to touch my kid every day. I'm thinking of a lady, a very big lady, her sons in Kyle. She get, brought him to yeshiva and said you have to touch him every single day. She was a brilliant lady. So kids, that, that's just varm pshutim. That's varm pshutim. People are afraid to say it today. Here goes, <laughs> because people are very, very afraid to say this. Now, it has to be a healthy person. It has to be a healthy person. So that's an assessment. Of course, a kid needs hugs and touch. People need to feel the warmth. Kids are craved. They need to be grounded. They're feeling. They're... We have to make that assessment. It's the only choice. But, but kids, need, kids need a warm hug. They need a hand on it. That's just what kids need today. They need today. It grounds the kid. It brings the kid present. It's complicated, and if something looks on, I'm not talking about anything unhealthy, but I'm talking about health in a healthy way. But I think that 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 question really begs to me. There should be a healthy respect. The kid shouldn't be talking about topics that are inappropriate. I don't like like walking on eggshells as best as possibly get the relationship healthy as discussed. And if we can have that discussion, why not? I'd figure out some stuff that are going on that we can have that discussion, but yeah. It's hard also nobody to identify. I've said the, I said the word once in my life. I don't say the word because I'm protesting. I never would identify somebody likes vanilla ice cream. I, who are, show them I like vanilla ice cream. It's not an identity. That's like, that's, it's, just, it's not an identity. There's a person, is a person. What temptations and this and that. It's not an identity of a human being. There's something very bizarre. It's my main time. I'm very, I like all human beings and have no kindness on people. How could anybody's identity be, be, be based on temptation? It doesn't make sense. So there's no identity. There's no such thing like that. If somebody grapples with unusual typhus, there's reasons for it. Nobody has to panic and plenty of, plenty of people. Many, many. There's a discussion, could everybody get healthy? Is it possible a person who can't? The big thinkers of Aaron Feldman, one of the great thinkers of our nation, has written about this. Mo- I'm convinced most, 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 I know, most, 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 most people can get healthy. Is it possible you have somebody, Hashem made them, they could serve Hashem and they can't? It could be. I don't know the answer. Most, most people with the right, the right affection, the right work on their own, their own emotional health, we see many, many, many get healthy and build beautiful families. Many, 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 many people. So I would say not to be miyayish from such a thing, but certainly to demand and ask and have a conversation that it should not be to the detriment of other kids in the family. It certainly seems very appropriate that it shouldn't be discussed at the table. It's not anybody's business. It's a strange thing to identify a certain way and to, you, you have a temptation. We could talk about that whenever you want, comfortably, no big not, we could talk comfortably, it just might not be the, the best dinner time conversation for everybody. Not every topic is a dinner time conversation. I thank everybody, I really appreciate a group that comes together to give each other chizot, good people. I know, I'm zaychet to know some of the people here to have chashufim that are coming together. We're sharing that we want to serve Hashem, we want our children to serve Hashem, we want to raise healthy, special children. So 
remember to see the specialist that you see. A mother sees in her children's specialist. Continue to see it. And we should all see. We should all see from, the, from our children. Remember that feel of the Ishbitzer. The love and patience we have. You've just said the biggest prayer of your life. We all pray for our kids. The biggest prayer is, I love you, you're my son. I love you, you're my daughter. That's like the most powerful. You, you never said a stronger prayer in your life. Tap into that. It's not just saying it. Find ways to tap into that. Any way we could tap into that love is a huge prayer. Specifically when there might be reasons not to feel. That elicits Hashem with your children. So we should be zeicher, the love that we have for our children. Hashem should take it. should be ma'ir. I want to share one close of the pshat. I'm like way too late already. But I'm going to close with the pshat. This pshat, it's from Rabbonim of Peshischa. And this pshat, in Kapitel Pehe in Tilim, it says, Hafer kascha aleinu. Hafer means thwart. God, thwart your anger on us. Es Rebunim Apshischa should say meil. My wife had the same cash. I read her the Kapipatum. Rachel, Hafer Kascha, Elena, look at this Pasuk. She said, Where's the mem? Rebunim Apshischa, my wife. Hafer Kascha, Meilenu. Missing a mem. Remove the anger from us. Remove the anger on us. From us. Meilenu. Peye Kapitope. A second kashi didn't ask Rebunim, what's the hafer? Say the haser. Hafer is like to thwart or to annul. should say, remove your anger from us, Hashem. It feels like you're angry at us. Please take away the anger. Thank you, Hashem. Take away the anger of your people. Say Rebunim of Shesha, sunset. Say Rebunim of Shesha. That what David HaMelech is saying to Hashem is not just remove your anger from us. See how zis we are. Take away your anger, Aleinu, through us, not just from us. He said a mushal that a melech's very angry. And everybody's afraid to approach the melech. He's like really mad. Excuse, excuse me, he's just angry, he's steaming. He said, finally, somebody has an idea. They bring the melech's little son and the melech just melts. His anger is gone. He just can't be angry. He sees his son. He's like, oh. Sometimes you want to get angry. The kid comes in the room, you melt. Said, says Rebunim that the David HaMelech was saying, Hafer, thwart your anger. Doesn't mean remove it. Thwart it. Your anger should just thwart it. Aleinu, because of us. You just see your children. Your children. I feel what I see. I've never in my life, it's a complicated, I've never in my life been prouder to be a Yid. I see our people. We've stood up loving each other. We've stood up. Just We've stood up. We're a Yid. We're a Yid. We're beautiful people. And the tefillah to Hashem is hafer kascha, the anger that appeared. You were angry. Please let it be thwarted, not just from us, but because of us, melt. So I say to us with our children, let's get back to melting from our kid. If we could tap, we have frustrations and pressures, and we're told, let's, let's melt. That will be the Ishbisar's prayer. And Hashem should melt from us as well. Have an excellent night. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to a shear from shasilluminated.org. For other shearim on many topics, or to hear an eon shear on any dafin shas, including Myron McClaimus on each shear, please visit www.shasilluminated.org. To order CDs or for more information, please call 203-312-SHAS. 
That's 203-312-7427 or email info at shasilluminated.org.